We approach this hour of worship needing to turn to him once again in order to confess the ways we have turned away from him, knowing that God hears our prayers and trusting in his abundant grace and his deep love, let us therefore confess our sins before him and one another. We admit, holy God, that we find it hard to hear your promise of new life. Even when we are dissatisfied with our lives, it is easier to cling to what we know than to risk the unknown. You challenge us to accept people who are different from us, but we are not eager to associate with them. You command us to love one another, but some people are not lovable. Oh God, melt our defenses so we can accept your love and let it flow through us. Grant us the courage to embrace newness. In Jesus' name, amen. The scriptures tell us that the grace of God is an abundant feast spread for all people who confess their sins. That the mercy of God is a deep fountain overflowing in the lives of those who trust him and that the love of God is an ocean whose mighty waves of forgiveness pour over. Because of this, friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us again declare our faith in the Apostles' Creed as we do it and say it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. <clears throat> the third day he rose from the... <clears throat> he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, <clears throat> the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, <clears throat> the resurrection of the body, <clears throat> and a life everlasting. Amen. On this beautiful day of worship, let us take a few moments to greet one another.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We are so glad you're with us this day as we come to gather together as God's people and to worship Him and to seek to wonder how we might live in response to Him throughout the course of our lives. So we are especially grateful if you are a first-time visitor with us today. We welcome you and we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome and that you will have the opportunity to uh, continue in some conversation with us afterwards uh, underneath the tree. You might be able to identify the names of the people who are sitting near you uh, first by their name tag, and we always encourage you to wear your name tag if you are a member of Church of the Palms so that uh, we can uh, call you by name, but also on the friendship paths which are being passed hopefully even as I speak, right? Okay. <coughs> Note those folks who are sitting near you and also maybe... Uh, have a chance to greet them after our service today. A couple of things to call to your attention this afternoon at four o'clock, the Sarasota Young Voices, which is a, a part of our music ministry here at Church of the Palms and a community choir is uh, performing here in the sanctuary. You won't want to miss that. You have heard them in worship and uh, you may wish to be a part of that great musical offering this afternoon at four o'clock. We are receiving our two cents a meal offering today, and so you'll note those baskets. One of our efforts toward uh, the alleviation of world hunger is a chance for you to give to that offering, so we invite you to do so as you are leaving the sanctuary. This coming Saturday, we have a great uh, opportunity, a conference on uh, that's seeking to address the nagging questions of faith and maybe better prepare you to provide a defense of your own faith and why it is that you believe. What is truth is the name of the conference. It's this Saturday. It's going to be in the Campus Center, and we invite you to be a part of that. There's a information about that in your bulletin as well, but we do encourage you to come and use that as another opportunity to be equipped as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We received a, a notification this week that our dear Nancy Brown over there is retiring. And I have to take another vote. All those in favor of her not retiring, please raise your hand. <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're stuck. Nancy Brown has uh, led our uh, food ministry, our kitchen, over the past, well, she's in her 25th year here at Church of the Palms, and many of you have uh, sat at a table that had food that was prepared by Nancy in all sorts of places in your life, whether it was celebration or whether you were grieving or whether you were just enjoying fellowship here at uh, Church of the Palms, but Nancy has been a very vital part of our life here. And uh, uh, would you please stand, Nancy, and would you let us <laughs> applaud you? Now the good news is, she's not retiring until December, so. <laughs> just when you are worried about going hungry, you'll, you, you can eat for uh, another several months here at uh, Church of the Palms. But, um, so we will certainly take that uh, time to celebrate uh, Nancy's ministry with us, but we wanted you to be able to know that that time is coming and that you can greet her as well. If you turn to page seven of your bulletin, 
we invite you to take a look at our, our good friends who have been through uh, 50 hours of training as uh, to become our newest Stephen Ministers. Stephen Ministry is a very important ministry in our church. I always hasten to say that it is not a ministry named after me. <laughs> there is another Stephen in this uh, great Christian tradition, and uh, there are many. Uh, we, it is named, of course, after the first deacon of the church, Stephen, one of the first deacons, who was one of, also one of the first martyrs of the church, and a person who embodies what does it mean to care for others. And we, have, uh, we are going to be commissioning these good people at our 11 o'clock service, but we did not want to lose the opportunity for you to recognize them. So I invite all of you to stand here in the front. And you'll see their names on page seven of your bulletin. And uh, we are just so grateful that you have responded to this call. We are thankful that uh, we get to be partners with you as we seek to reach out and care for those who are going through life's difficult times. Our Stephen ministers are commissioned to uh, go one-on-one -on -one to be partners with people as they seek to be cared for during the difficult trials of life. And I can't tell you the amount of stories that I hear, not only from our Stephen ministers, but others that I've worked with who have provided such great care to people. And we look forward to how you will be about that ministry here at Church of the Palms and how you will be the caregiver as we yearn for the care provider to provide that care through you. So we are grateful for that. And would you please welcome them into this ministry? Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, long ago when you created the heavens and the earth, you saw fit to spin and manipulate the expanding universe to allow a small planet in the midst of the millions and millions of galaxies to be pulled into the orbit of a small star that we call the sun. And you have placed that small planet Earth upon a precise axis that we get so much warmth and so much cold to keep it alive. You rotate our globe at just the right speed and at just the right distance from the moon that the seas rise and fall in such a way that we are sustained. We thank you that we are sustained, not by a random force, but by a creator. You sustained us through the evening and you have sustained us to see the morning. You have sustained us that we might delight in you and in your creation. You have sustained us that we might be your children of light in the world. And that we might, we might use our spirit given gifts to make the world a better place. You have sustained us that we might sustain others. For we know, O oh Lord, that you invite us to partner with you in your sustaining effort. We are the instruments of your sustenance in the world. Lead us not into the temptation of being so worried about our own resources that we forget the main reason that we're here is to make sure that others are cared for. We are mindful this, of this, especially as we commission new Stephen ministers this day. Those who have responded to your call to make sure that others are cared for, that they are provided, especially in their spiritual needs as they journey through the challenges of life. 
And so we pray especially today for those who are worried, those who are worried about making the next house payment, those who we give bags of groceries to during the week. We pray for those who are scouring the internet right now looking for a job. We pray for those who are worried that they can't go to a doctor because they don't have money to pay for it. Remind us, O Lord, that these people live in our neighborhoods. Help us to live lives that take them into account. We pray for our government, we pray for our president, we pray for all those who have been elected into offices, for they have placed upon them the weight of the world. We ask for wisdom, we ask for clarity of thought and compassion, that all might make right decisions for the benefit of all. We pray for our soldiers in distant and local lands, that you may help them to shoulder the great burden that we have placed upon them. And we also pray for those who lay heavy upon our hearts, those we know who are sick and troubled and worried and depleted. We pray that you will lift their burdens, that you might remind them that you are the one true sustenance the one who promises to be with us until the close of the age. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Dear Lord, we give back to you in thankfulness what you have given to us in kindness. We acknowledge that the world and its resources are not ours, but yours, and that you have put us in charge as your trustees. Help us to exercise responsibly the authority you give us in your world. Let Jesus, your son, be the pattern for all our dealings with one another and with the rest of creation. Bless the gifts we now present back to you so that they may be used in the work of your kingdom on this earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.
If the kids want to come down, come on down. And we're actually going to take a different seat today. We're going to scoot over here. Come on, just to like have a change of scenery right here. So come on down wherever you are. We are continuing our conversation on friendship. And today we get to talk about how friends, hi Ricky, how friends worship together. So keep, come on, come on Franklin. So when you think about worship, you know we worship in this space in the sanctuary. We worship upstairs in kids worship. And today we get to do something really special, a sacrament in this worship that we don't often get to do. And I'm going to give you a clue and see if you can figure it out. Usually we do it to babies. We always use water. Anyone got it yet? Amy. Baptism. Excellent. We get to do baptism. Does anyone remember being baptized? Anyone? A couple really smart ones. Like, I don't remember when I was baptized because I was just a little baby. So today, when Pastor Steve baptizes baby Faith, I want you to imagine that it's you up there in his arms. Imagine being a little baby and listen to the questions that he asks her parents and what they promise to do. And listen to the questions that he asks everyone out here and what they promise to do. And you'll see that as a worshiping community, we are meant to do life together. So we gotta watch and we gotta be really respectful as Pastor Steve baptizes baby Faith. Little baby, and along with them, Albert and Joseph, who are standing in support of their baptism today. This is uh, always a great time in the life of our church because we get to celebrate the fact that God has called us to be the big family of faith. We all get to be God's children, and so in baptism we get the chance to show that and to reveal that through the gift of the Holy Spirit and the sacrament that Jesus and the scriptures institute for us to remind us that we are a part of this great covenant promise family that we can claim our little children to know that God loves them. So Will and Gretchen are here uh, as uh, they seek to bring their child before us. And we, on behalf of the whole Church of Jesus Christ, are baptizing this little girl so that she will someday come to know for herself that Jesus Christ loves her and welcomes her into his family. So to that end, we make promises. I ask questions that Lori mentioned, and we uh, respond to them. First, the parents respond to these questions, and then also uh, we as a congregation to make our covenants for on behalf of this little girl, Faith Rowan. So, Will and Gretchen, do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, do you? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do your own, do you? And do you now unreservedly promise in humble reliance upon God's grace to set before faith an example of the new life in Christ, do you? And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time, she may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you? Do you? 
And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen her ties with the household of God? Will you? Let us pray. We thank you, O God, that you promise to be with us to the close of the age. You promise to be with us even in this moment of baptism through your Holy Spirit as you reach out and claim us all as your children. We thank you, O Lord, that this little girl is before us, that we can welcome her into our midst, and we pray that you will attend to us, that we may renew our own faith through the covenants we make this day, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. This child is asleep, I just want you to know that. Faith, Rowan, Dana, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father. It's okay. It's okay. There you go. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. You never cried in your baptism, I know. <laughs> that was cold water on her head. But we're thankful that we all get to be children of God and we get to be held in a pastor's arms to represent the fact that God loves us all. And that's what's so good about that. And we're gonna sing Jesus Loves Me, this I know, just to signify that. to officially welcome you to, actually, you guys already belong, Baby Faith. You have to turn around so they can see your face. They are tired of your face. There we go. <laughs> Into the family of God. Um, it is such a privilege and an honor to be a parent, and you are the most important influence in Faith's life, but you're not the only influence that she needs, and we know that, and obviously you have brothers and friends and grandparents and this whole community of faith to support you on the journey. So we want to commemorate this day with the baptism certificate and a Bible that you can read to her every day. Thank you. you Claim us all through the sacrifice of your son on the cross and we are thankful, Lord, that you love us to the end. We are thankful for the start of this little girl's life and we pray that she will always know that she has not just the love of her, her parents, but the love of her great family. And we ask this in Jesus' name, 
Amen. Now you have to look at my face again. (laughs) Our scripture this morning is from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, the 11th chapter. We have been in a series on the mission of the church and have been looking at the texts that have been provided us through the lectionary and the Acts of the Apostles to wonder together about the work of the church in this particular day and time. So hear the word of God as it comes to us from the first verse of chapter 11. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him saying, why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? And Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. And as I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, For nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. That very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were, and the Spirit told me to go with them and not make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us of how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. I remember the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they had heard this, they were silenced and they praised God saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. You have given us this word, O Lord, only by your grace. And we ask that we might not only receive it, but also find a new way to live it. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. 
<clears throat> 45 years ago at the Olympic Games in Mexico City, a feat was performed that many believe to be the greatest Olympic feat in the history of the Games. Sports Illustrated considered it one of the top five sports accomplishments in the 20th century. Bob Beeman, a student at the University of Texas, El Paso, represented the United States in the long jump event. Beeman was considered a top long jumper, and though he was a favorite in the event, he had never held the record. The long jump record going into the event was 27 feet 4 and 3 quarter inches. In the semifinals, Beeman foot faulted twice and almost did not qualify for the finals, but did so on his third jump. In the finals, on his first jump, with the hopes that maybe, maybe he could win the gold, maybe he could set a new world's record by one or two inches, because no one sets a long jump record by more than one or two inches, Bob Beeman, on his first jump, jumped 29 feet two and a half inches, surpassing the record not by one or two inches, but by over 21 inches, nearly two feet. He had even outjumped the electronic measuring device. It took them nearly a half hour to calculate precisely the distance. And when Beeman was told the distance, how he had broken the world record by nearly two feet, he fell into a fit of cataplexy and emotional convulsion that left him collapsed on the track. So great was this distance. So great was this propulsion past the limits of human ability that the sporting world, along with Beeman, were left in a state of shock. A new word, in fact, was coined as a result. Beemanesque. Yeah, that's what the title's all about. <laughs> when a preacher, when a, pre a preacher, when a person reaches so far beyond the limit performs an act of such historical enormity, it is considered Beemanesque. And maybe that is the word that should come to mind when we read of the Apostle Peter telling his story where he explains to his Jewish brothers and sisters why he has gone to the home of a Gentile and sat at table with his family and baptized him them. It is hard to overstate the Grand Canyon-esque divide there was in first century Palestine between Jews and Gentiles, especially as seen by the Jews. The history of the Jews had been a history of claiming a unique identity and a lineage from the parentage of Abraham and Sarah. Theirs was a culture of setting themselves apart from the peoples of the world, seeing themselves, as we know in Scripture, as the chosen people, chosen by God and commanded by God to carry out a habit of law and habit and ritual that would set them apart from the Gentiles, and in particular in the first century, the Romans, who were not only Gentiles, but had claimed Caesar as God and had occupied Palestine. You probably could not imagine in the first century a greater distance than the distance to be found between an Orthodox follower of Judaism and, let's say, a Gentile Roman military official. And yet this is Peter's story. A story that we remember from last week begins in Joppa, the town we talked about where Peter sees a vision of non-kosher, unclean food lowered from heaven, and Peter hears a voice from God who says, kill and eat. 
diametrically opposed to every and any sense of or an orthodox follower of Judaism would have within him. Nothing could be more defiling. But the voice won't go away. The voice won't go away. The voice keeps coming back and inviting Peter to take a leap, to, to, to leap a distance no Jew has ever leapt. The, the voice isn't going away. And so comes a knock on the door and the invitation to come to Caesarea and to the home of a Gentile, and not just a Gentile, but a Roman Gentile, and not just a Roman Gentile, but a Roman Gentile who is a centurion. The face of the enemy, the face of the occupation, the face of the unclean. But it's a voice that won't go away. It is a vision that won't go away. Strangely enough, when Luke tells the story in chapter 10, the preceding chapter, Peter is quick to remind himself what the Bible says. And what the Hebrew scriptures say is that this is the wrong thing, what this voice is saying. This is the wrong thing to do. It is just wrong, he knows, that this Grand Canyon of cultural and religious divide should be crossed. It cannot be supported by Peter's Bible. And yet the voice won't go away. The vision won't go away. And Peter is convinced that this is the Holy Spirit that is speaking. Maybe he remembers the time when Jesus led them up to the land of the pagans, the land of the Gentiles, up near the towns of Tyre and Sidon, northwest Palestine, and there Jesus and the disciples are accosted by a Gentile woman, a Canaanite woman, who desperately pleads for Jesus to cross the Grand Canyon and heal her sick daughter. And because Jesus knows his Bible, he knows it's the wrong thing to do. He knows it's wrong to have anything to do with Gentiles. He had come, he says, to the lost sheep of Israel. But somehow the voice of the pleading and desperate Gentile mother becomes the voice of the father. And the voice won't go away. The voice just won't go away. The desperate mother will not let him go until Jesus leaps. And the voice says that maybe the love of the Father has more distance to travel than just the confines of the Jews. Maybe it's why Jesus is up in the Gentile land. So Jesus leaps his Bemanesque leap. Maybe that's what Peter remembers when the vision comes and the voice speaks, this Bemanesque leap of Jesus. John tells us in his gospel that, that love my sheep were the last words that Jesus spoke directly to Peter. Love my sheep. And, and maybe it was the journey to Gentile land or maybe it was the journey to Samaritan land where Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. Maybe it was those leaps that helped Peter to figure out that when Jesus says my sheep, he means everybody. It is this voice that won't go away. So before he knows it, Peter is sitting at table with the centurion Roman Gentile, passing the pulled pork and baptizing this household that so badly wanted to be included in the great story of God's limitless love. And he knows he will catch heck for it back home. The Jerusalem followers will not understand. 
It is not in the Bible, they will say. No good Jew could ever jump that far. And Peter will tell them that it's amazing how far you can jump knowing that the Holy Spirit is speaking. Pentecost wasn't that long ago, he will say. Don't you remember? It is really hard to outleap the limitless love of God. This past year, the world laid to rest two great pioneers of unfathomable distance. One was a pioneer propelled by the human mind. The other was a pioneer propelled by the human heart. The first was a man who, after serving as an Air Force officer, joined the communities of Mercury and Gemini and Apollo and became an astronaut and joined the generations and generations of those who looked up into the sky to that orb a million miles away and wondered, could anyone ever make such a Beeman-esque leap? The voice of science, the voice of the mind said yes. And the voice would not go away from Galileo, Orville Wright, Alan Shepard, John Glenn. The voice wouldn't go away until finally came the day when the young boy from Ohio walked down the steps of the landed eagle and Neil Armstrong jumped onto the moon's surface and said what? That's one small step for man, but one giant leap for mankind. Demonesque, propelled by the human brain and the voice that wouldn't go away. Years later, an old man looked into his past and saw things he did not want to see. He had been a member of the Ku Klux Klan back during the throes of the Civil Rights Movement. So far was he from any openness to equality of the races that he made it his mission to bring violence upon those who sought racial justice. He laid in wait at the bus terminal in Rock Hill, South Carolina for a busload of freedom riders, blacks and whites who traveled together to bring models of desegregation to a segregated South. When a black man and his white friend stepped off the bus and dared, and dared to enter together a whites-only waiting area in the terminal, that was Edwin Wilson's prompting to let loose a violent beating upon the men. He beat them terribly. How could Edwin Wilson in that moment ever imagine that 50 years later a black man would be president? How could he imagine that such an election in a country he so dearly loved would show him, by God's grace, that he had been wrong all along? How could he have known that the black man he beat in Rock Hill, South Carolina, would end up becoming a highly respected U.S. Congressman, John Lewis? And how could he know that the heart inside him, fueled once by such hatred, would someday be fueled, he would say, by the Holy Spirit and would propel him the unfathomable distance between where he had once been to the office of an African-American congressman pleading for forgiveness. And how could he ever believe 
that that once beaten congressman would reach back the same distance and grant the dearly sought forgiveness. Beeman-esque, propelled by the human heart, the human heart and the divine spirit, the voice that would not go away. Strange, isn't it though, that these distances of the heart can sometimes seem much further than the distances of the mind. It makes one think of the great Arab Muslim leader Anwar Sadat, president of Egypt, having risen to the rank, that rank, on a record of an early terrorist life. But there came the time when the voice spoke and the voice wouldn't go away. And the voice said, go to Israel and make peace. But nothing in his past would say that that was the right thing to do. But the voice wouldn't go away until the day that he boarded a plane and traveled to Jerusalem as the crow flies, it's 250 miles, but as history records, it is a flight of a million miles. Beeman-esque, propelled by the human heart. Later, it was Anwar Sadat who said, sometime before his martyrdom, when a man's heart is animated by love, he is naturally impelled to accomplish his vocation. Without love, a man may grow very old indeed and yet feel he hasn't lived at all. What good news for you and me who make up the church of the 21st century that we have been born into this tradition of Bemanesque leaps. We are here because a good Orthodox follower of Judaism heard the voice, followed the voice, and leapt a million miles into a new universe, sat at table with unclean food, baptized those who were once far off, and proclaimed the good news that God shows no partiality. Did you hear that? God shows no partiality. There is no person, no people outside the loving embrace of the Father. It's something I know I need to hear because I know there are peoples in my life that my prejudice would see as too far away, that my prejudice would see as too far different, that my prejudice would see as too unclean, and if my life has been identified by my effort to keep those people away, then this good news of God's limitless love will come to me maybe first as bad news. It may feel even unbiblical. The leap, Bemanesque, the distance unattainable. But then I read in my Bible this question that the apostle asked himself when he was sitting at the Roman general's table, this place where he never thought he'd be. And the question he asks himself is, who am I to think I could hinder God? Who am I to think I could hinder God? Because it's God's love that is the animator, the propeller. Who are we that we could hinder God? We should know better. 
because we're the church of Jesus Christ. It is our tradition, these Bemanesque leaps. And who can imagine that any of our leaps could come close to the leap once took by a young follower of Judaism who saw the vision, heard the voice, and invited you and me and baby faith. We who were once far off, who invited you and me into the kingdom of God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest 
and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.